This episode is brought to you by the Enneagram 5 community. Join our free community to get early access to episodes, attend live community events, and meet other Enneagram 5s like you. Visit the link in the description to learn more. We'll see you over there. Hey, Cody. What's up? (laughs) How do you feel about your body? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I threw you with this one. You did. (laughs) I like I'm in a big old sack of potatoes. Oh my God. constantly uncomfortable in my body Mm, yeah like what do you mean by uncomfortable well so i have an image in my head of what i think i look like and every time i see that image in real life or see the image of myself in real life it's not at all what i think i look like interesting so i feel like a weird detachment from my body because i'm like that's not my body that's not the body that i see in my head consequently the body that i do see in my head is in way better shape (laughs) of course so is mine (laughs) i always think of myself as in better shape and have better posture and i actually have one of the worst (laughs) postures of anybody i know so i try constantly to fix it because i'm always i don't want to be my great-grandmother had was a really big hunchback. Mm. Like, she was just really hunched over, and I don't want to be like that when I'm older. Yeah. I'm, it's, I'm starting to get that from, I have been for a while, just from sitting in a computer all day. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sucks. So, uh, we're talking about self-care, right? <laughs> Not that you could have been able to tell from the beginning <laughs> of this, I don't think. Not that it's all about physical appearance or lack thereof. So for me, when I the way that I think about self-care as a five is a little different probably than most other types. And you've heard me talk about this a lot before where I obsess over the energy management piece. And so for me, the self-care as a five is about doing things that energize me because everything in life seems to be a an energy suck. Yeah. And I have to constantly figure out what I want to actually invest energy in it because I have a limited resources. Like that's the story I'm telling myself constantly. And so when I have the opportunity to do things that instead of draining my energy, actually start to replenish some of it, I feel like those things, one, are very rare for me. Not very much energizes me. At least that's my perception a lot of the time. I'm often not disciplined about doing those things, even if I know they are going to energize me. Right. That's the conversation we wanted to have today about what are the things that energize us as a five? How do we go about self-care as an Enneagram type five? I feel like I suck at it in pretty much every way. (laughs) (laughs) I always want to be the person who gets up two hours before I need to go to work, goes to the gym, has a shower, shaves and cleans up nice, hits the day, hits the ground running, gets home, spends a little time reading and doing the things that I want to do, not wasting my time doing the things that I don't need to be doing, but doing those things that I, in my mind, would give me life. You know, there's a lot of books that I should be reading right now that I actually, not that I want to, but should be reading things for my, my job, things for this. There's all kinds of things that I've been wanting to read and I have not touched a single book. Mm. So all that to say, I haven't done any of that. I don't do, I have a really nice gym in our apartment building. Yeah, you do. It's awesome. Downstairs. Yeah. I could be at the gym in 30 seconds. <laughs> and I have gone, I've been there for three months and I've been like four times. <laughs> but my goal is to at least, I'm giving myself low goals. I'm like twice a week, just twice a week. And it's worse now because all I do is drive. So... I want to be more active. I want to take care of my body because it's it. My body is annoying and constantly dying a little more every day. So, <laughs> yeah. So we we have a treadmill that I bought a few months ago, and it's like fifty feet from me, and I've used it like three times, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it's, and I think it's because yeah. the gym, I'm still trying to figure out a way to make exercise in interesting. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's boring to so me. So boring. Yeah. So kind of coming, bring the conversation back around to where we started with our relationship with our bodies. Mm -hmm. The reason why I started there was I feel like that is kind of down at the foundation of a lot of our self-care issues. Because for most of my life, the way I view my body is just as a necessary evil almost, like just this vessel to carry my mind around in. <laughs> right, yeah. It's a common, common phrase. There's so many things that's annoying about it. Like I was clipping my fingernails today. And I'm like, why do I have to clip my fingernails? I just fucking clipped them a week ago. <laughs> like, you know, and yeah. <laughs> brushing my teeth. So not very many people know this about me, but I hate brushing my teeth. Same. I will go to great lengths to not brush my teeth Mm -hmm. except I brush my teeth every day because the only thing I hate worse than brushing my teeth is having dirty teeth, like the fuzzy, dirty, like, ugh. Like that just drives me crazy. Yeah. Why do we have to maintain this thing? It just, it drives me crazy. Cause the, and one of the things that I hate about brushing my teeth is I have to actually just stand there and focus on something, like make a motion, repetitive motion. Mundane. And it's enough of a motion that I can't just like completely go into my mind palace. And so I have to be there, but I'm not actually doing anything. Ooh, it's just like it being just, present. Oh, it just to be present for something I, so mundane and boring. I know. Oh, it just <laughs> drives me drives me crazy. I'll say like at my healthiest, I have a much better relationship with my body. But most of the time, I just forget that I have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like. I'm in my mind so much that I'll forget to eat or mm. get up and walk around when I'm sitting at my desk all day and just stuff like that. I get so consumed with mental paths that I take yeah, that I just forget about that stuff. Yeah, I'm the same way, especially now that I have the job that I have where I, all I do is drive around. Like I'll go way too long without eating because I'm just on the move and I'm trying to hit all these accounts and try to get it all done it's so easy to just kind of zone out and keep going and I'm always moving. So I'm not really thinking about food until all of a sudden I crash and I'm so right. hungry. And then the challenge is not to eat too much because right. I'm so hungry, yeah. um, which I have been doing better at, but it's always a struggle. And I mean, I have a really, I'm the same way with the mundane daily tasks, especially like one thing that I really hate doing, like I hate doing it is showering. Interesting. <laughs> I well, hate showering. Go, like, why do you hate showering? I don't know why. I really don't know why I hate it. Honestly, <laughs> like I just hate it. I don't. It's like folding clothes. Like I hate folding oh, I laundry. I definitely hate folding clothes. That it, like that is the worst thing in the world to me. I would just about rather do any other chore than folding clothes. Uh, yep, same. I hate the idea of showering, but I actually really enjoy showering. But it's a it's kind of a double edged sword for me because I can't not take a shower for less than like thirty minutes. Like I seriously, I enter the shower and I'm entering a completely different dimension of time and space Yeah, because <laughs> I think I'm in there for like five minutes, but I'm in there for 30 minutes every time I'll say, Hey Amy, I'm just going to go rinse off quick. And she's like, yeah, okay. And I come back 30 minutes later. <laughs> as soon as I step in, there's something about that, the relaxing water that I go like mentally completely detach. Hmm. and go into just all of these rabbit trails in my brain. I, I, I imagine it's like a lesser degree of what I still haven't scheduled the float tank. Yeah. So I, I imagine it's a lesser degree of that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. We still need to do that. We need to do that together. Maybe we'll do that in the off season. Well, not in the same tank, but yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be crazy if they had couples? <laughs> Float I think tanks. that would completely defeat the purpose. I think so too, but <laughs> I think nines would love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Just meld into <laughs> someone else's consciousness. Oh man. Talking about uh, physicality though, float tanks get you fully separated from your body um, mentally. Yeah. Be a crazy thing. I think I really want to do it. I do too, but I, showers are just like, I don't know what it is about showers. I almost feel like it's more about, I feel like it's such a waste of time. Mm. I, I can't take a shower for, for less than 15 or 20 minutes sometimes. Cause I mean, there's just so many activities involved. <laughs> like I, you know, you have to do, you, this is saying this is somebody. You don't even bald. have any hair. Man. I know. <laughs> but I still wash my head. So my self-care routine will almost always begin with a cup of coffee. Whether I make that at home myself or I go out and get it from a local shop, 
I love having a cup of coffee every single day, but especially on my self-care days or during my self-care routine, it is definitely a necessity. If I feel like leaving my house, I love to walk around a local bookstore. There's two in my area that I particularly love, and I'll just kind of walk around, hang out by myself, and build up my to-be-read list, which is always growing. Another thing I like to do if I feel like leaving the house is I like to walk around a local park in my area, particularly one that's on the lake, and I'll try to get some good pictures. Usually while I do that, I will listen to a good podcast or some music, whatever I'm feeling that day, sometimes both. If I don't feel like leaving the house, I really love reading a book, as do I'm sure a lot of Enneagram Fives. If I have read for a long amount of time, I want to switch it up. Or sometimes, if I don't particularly feel like reading that day, I love to play some kind of simple, chill games on my Nintendo Switch. I really love this question because self-care is super important. But I hope this was helpful, and thank you so much. So what are some things... I guess on the physical side, the self-care side, that do you think does actually energize you? Well, oddly enough, exercise. <laughs> really? Here's the thing. I just said I dread exercising. I hate exercising. When I actually do it and I'm at the activity and I'm nearing the end of the activity and I've worked really hard and I'm covered in sweat and I've got the endorphins running, in that moment, my brain always communicates with my body, or my body communicates with my brain, rather, <laughs> This was a really good thing. This I feel amazing right now. All those endorphins running. Like in that moment, I'm like, God, I should do this all the time. Why don't I run every day? Like this is so fun. I love this. I feel better all day. I feel better afterwards. The lead up to exercising is absolute torture. In my mind, I'm just constantly thinking, God, this is going to suck. And I try to change that mentality because in my mind, I know that moment's coming that I'm going to love it. But in my mind, I have this idea in my head that exercise is awful because <laughs> it is. But when I'm actually doing it, I almost immediately my brain switches to almost an admiration for my body. Wow, I can <laughs> lift this much weight. That's crazy. I didn't know I could lift this much weight. I can do these exercises. It's like I almost immediately am not because the exercise some might say or might assume that I'm putting myself down before the exercise and that's why I don't want to do it. That's not actually what's happening because as soon as I start exercising, I'm not putting myself down. I'm not like giving myself a hard time for what I can or cannot do. But in fact, I'm actually really positive about it. So you would think it'd be a really great experience. The problem is it's not something that I want to spend my time doing. Mm. I would rather be writing music or creating something or doing nothing and playing video games or whatever the thing may be. And it's something that's unwinding my brain and helping me zone out from the day or relax or whatever. When those aren't the things that are probably the most beneficial, at least not all the time. Sometimes they are. And I don't do those things all the time. I don't pick one thing and do that. do it all the time, but I should be spending more time doing the things that are healthy for my body. And I just don't, you know, and I mean, even just trying a sim something as simple as that. I'm, I haven't gone to an allergist. I just got my health insurance like two to two or three days ago, whatever Congrats. it was. Thanks. You know, it, I, mean, I haven't been to an allergist yet though, even though now I have health insurance, but I haven't been to an allergist, but I'm quite positive that I have a gluten sensitivity at the very least. I have mm. been able to narrow it down to any time that I eat significant gluten. If I consume significant amounts of gluten, I get either mildly to deathly ill afterwards. And mm. it's something that has caused me a great deal of discomfort, as it were. And you know what I do about it? I keep eating gluten. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> because I'm an idiot. And so yeah. I have this information, I have this knowledge that I have learned. I could do something about it. And I do try to do something about it. But we're just, we have not evolved as a species to where we have figured out a way to make alternatives to gluten that still taste good. <laughs> that's that's like 95% true. Yeah. Yeah. Like every once in a while I'll taste something. I'm like, wow, yeah. like I've had gluten-free pasta that's really good. Mm -hmm. I've had other things that aren't even gluten-free, but are just alternatives that are really good. Most of the time, not good. I've had gluten-free like bread. No, it tastes like cardboard. It tastes like disgusting. I can't, I don't know. You, I, we have to talk about this later. Maybe you have some options. It's been a while. But I've had gluten-free, not gluten-free beer, but gluten-reduced beer before I found one that was amazing. And it didn't, and I, that was the first, that was the first time I ever realized, wow, I might be gluten intolerant because this doesn't make me feel bad, but all mm. beer does. Yeah. So 
for me, I think one problem with the exercise piece is I don't really have a positive association with any phase of it. So like pretty much the whole time I'm like, this is going to suck. And then I do it. I'm like, this sucks. And then I'm done. I'm like, that sucked. <laughs> and so, you don't ever get the endorphin like from sweating. Are you pushing yourself hard enough? <laughs> um, when I no, when I push myself really hard, I, I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with my body to where I don't really produce endorphins. I, endorphins. I've kind of experienced that a little bit at different times, but it takes so much for me to get there mm. that the next week I'm just completely dead and it's not worth it to me. Wow. I, I think it might have something to do with some of the health issues that I've had, but the way that I've been able to work exercise in, in a successful way in the past is, well, there are two things. One, I need data. So the first time I was really able to successfully do it it was when like Fitbits really started coming out. And so I got oh, a Fitbit yeah. and I was just tracking stuff. I, I started out, I'm like, I'm not going to try to make any changes. I'm just going to track for two weeks so I can kind of get a baseline. Yep. And just the awareness of tracking how much I was stepping. And, and I also at the same time was tracking all of my food just to kind of get a baseline for like calories in versus calories out. And I lost like five pounds in two weeks <laughs> just from tracking stuff because I was aware of it. Yeah, so that's what they thing. say is half the battle, I think. Right, yeah. Um, which I would love to know how exactly you tracked all of your food because I've tried to do that and it's incredibly difficult and takes a lot. It takes mm. too much energy. I don't want to track food. It takes too much energy for me. You have to systemize it. Well, yeah. And so one of the ways that I systemized it was probably 80 to 90% of my meals were all within the same like 12 meals. So it's all saved in my phone. And so whenever I have it, I have an idea of the portion and I just, you know, put it That's in. That's true. So yeah. it's super easy to figure out. It's just hard at first because you have to put all those things. At first, right. yeah. Once okay. you get it set up, it's really easy. And then whenever you go out with the app that I used, it, it's really easy to look stuff up. And I know that I wasn't trying to get the most accurate. Yeah. I was just trying to get like an approximation so that I could have an understanding of that and, and always try to be more of a diary. Like, Hey, this is what I ate that day. Yeah. Maybe yeah. But don't it, eat those things. Right. Well, but it, but it, it measures the calories and it syncs all up so that I could compare the two. Right. And cause then I could estimate like my calories burned versus my calories like taken in. So that was the first part. So the data piece was actually really what got me to where I could do it on a regular basis. But the other piece is, well, there's kind of actually three pieces. The other, the second piece is it really needs to be like low impact stuff for me, not mm. high exertion. Because like I said, if I really push myself then I'm dead for a week and then there were times in my life where I could get to where that didn't just like kill me for a week, but I have to start out really slow and build the habit. And I will never build the habit if I just come in and just killing myself. Right. Um, so I have to start small. So the third piece is it has to be easily baked into my environment. And that's how I was able to successfully do it for so long. Like when we lived in Bellingham, because the first couple of years we were there, I had a half a mile walk to work and mm. back. So I'd walk there and back and then I'd also come home for lunch. So I'm walking minimum two miles just from that. Right. And then I, I was working on this campus that had three buildings and I was always going to different meetings. So I was bouncing back and forth a lot. So I was actually getting a, a decent amount of steps on my own, but I noticed myself once I started getting in the habit of tracking and starting to hit my goals, I'm like, okay, I can actually take the stairs this time. And I started just slowly building those habits. And that was really effective to me. I lost, I think, 28 pounds in like three months just doing that. And I didn't make any significant changes. Wow. I just tracked everything. I just made sure that my calorie intake was less than my calorie output. And I focused on hitting as close to 10,000 steps every day that I could. And it worked really well. And actually the big change for me in that was my big aha moment was I realized the power of lots of small changes over time. So rather than trying to make really big changes and then not being able to stick with it, if you just take these little changes and an increment over time, yeah. you end up with way better results than if you're trying to just push it and do everything at once. And when I learned that, then I started to look at, okay, what else can I do in my life? I got really into the quantified self movement for a while. <laughs> what is that? <clears throat> That's where you just uh, kind of like with the Fitbit, you measure things about yourself and mm. try to collect as much quantifiable data about yourself as possible. And I didn't get way into it. There are some people who would just measure 
everything that they could think of. And I didn't want to go that far down the the rabbit hole, but I just started thinking like, what other small changes could I start to make that would improve things? So I started to focus on my sleep and I was focused on my diet of what I was actually eating and made all these changes. And physically that was probably the best I'd ever felt in my life in that period. And then we moved back to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> the South and the healthy food options were much more limited and we don't like to walk here really. So like everything's driving and Chattanooga is a lot better about that. That's why actually why I like Chattanooga a lot better than Nashville is it's really walkable. If you live downtown and yeah, you can walk from one side of the city to the other yeah. in a reasonable amount of yeah, time. It's really easy. Yeah. And so I just slowly got out of different habits and, and then started to, you know, decline in that regard. And I've kind of, it's kind of just been like a roller coaster since then. Like I'll do well for a little while and then I'll just tank again and then I'll do well for a little while and then I'll tank again. And then 2020 hit and it was just terrible. I was not doing any, getting any physical activity. I was clinically depressed. I was eating junk all the time and I gained 30 pounds over the course of the year. And I just felt terrible. Hmm. And I think that I realized in that how important self-care is. <laughs> and so when I got my new job, got insurance, I said, 2021 is going to be, my focus is going to be on self-care and getting my health back together. And, and so the first few months were actually went really well in terms of the changes I was making. And I felt really good again. And then we got into uh, podcast launch phase and everything that's been going on with that. And I've just been so hyper-focused on trying to do this and also still do a good job at my full-time job, right? And and it's just been do, 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 go, go, go. And that's part of the problem too, is like when we're in this mode, we can hyper-focus on that kind of stuff. And once again, all of the self-care pieces go to the wayside. And that's sort of where I'm at right now of realizing that again, like, okay, we need to get back into some of these habits and start doing this stuff because I want to, I want to feel good. Right. And I want to be able to actually have energy to play with my kids and enjoy the moment and be able to be present and not be in this mental fog state. And so this conversation is timely for me because I've really been thinking about this in the last week of what little changes can I start to make now that six months from now are going to have made a big impact. And, and that's mm. what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, this conversation is timely for me in this exact moment because I feel we dove into this whole podcast thing all at once and we both are the type of people that are like, if we're going to do something, we're going to only do it well and we won't settle for less. And so we wanted to give our time and energy to that, but while also having full-time jobs and people in our lives that, that demand our attention and our time. And that we want to give time and, that, and attention to. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's something I didn't really take into account just how exhausted I was going to be. Like I have a hundred percent worked harder in the last couple of months than I've worked in my entire life. Like without a doubt, no mm. comparison. Cause I'm just juggling so many things. I basically, I mean, with, if you include the podcast as a job, which we absolutely should, <laughs> yeah. then you know, I essentially have like three and a half jobs because <laughs> I have my full-time job. I'm still, yeah, so to some degree, a musician and do music things from time to time. I also, I work in the wedding industry on the side to make extra money. So there's so many things I'm working in the week during the week on my full-time job. And then in the evening I'm working on podcast stuff. And then I'm also in the evening, I'm planning wedding stuff for the weekends. Then I'm working all, all weekend on other things that are very physically draining and mentally and emotionally draining. Then Monday morning, start back over and do the whole thing over again. And it's, yeah, it's starting to catch up with me. And then I don't know why we made this stupid decision recently to get a puppy <laughs> that's only six weeks old and keeps me up and wakes in the last few nights. So I was, I, I was egging you guys on for that too. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And granted, so, the puppy is adorable. It is adorable. Yeah. He's great. But he wakes up every like hour on the hour all night mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. And I haven't, I, I want, did. I, didn't I wanted you to start to feel our pain a little bit of having <laughs> kids, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which goes back to the parenting episode. Now I really don't want to have kids. Um, <laughs> but, uh, cause at least I know this one will be out of it in like a month and a half, but uh, our oldest is five and none of them still sleep through the night. Oh God. I hope that never happens to me, but <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I, I don't think I realized just how drained I was 
lately until we got the puppy. And then mm. as soon as I started actually losing sleep too, then I couldn't maintain anymore. And here I am like, I'm struggling to be awake right now yeah. because I'm just exhausted. And so, and the wine doesn't help. Yeah. The wine, <laughs> well, I should have been drinking coffee tonight probably because yeah. today, especially I feel particularly drained and I didn't know we were recording the self-care episode until I really got here. And it's just funny that we're talking about this. Cause it's like that moment when you walk into the office, like, what are we meeting about? Oh, we're meeting about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what it felt like, because I feel like I've been so bad about maintaining personal internal boundaries when it comes to being able to know how much I should work and how much I should rest and what I should be doing to take care of myself and drawing those lines in the sand of like, no, I can't do anymore. I just can't do anymore this i have to make room for this and yeah it's all me not doing those things is finally catching up with me in this moment and i'm having to reevaluate and go okay i need to be blocking out time for these things i need to be compartmentalizing a little better so yeah i'm i'm, I'm right on that page right now i will say one thing that i have discovered recently that i really enjoy doing on the physical side of things is yoga. And I, I wasn't anticipating loving it so much because it takes a little bit of getting used to, but you talk about the endorphins of exercising hard and, and working out and stuff. And I kind of got a similar high from doing yoga the, with the breath work that's involved with it, it. It's actually a lot more taxing than I realized. Yeah. <laughs> it looks super easy. Like it looks simple. Like you're just sort of, you know, moving around really slowly in these different configurations, but man, it's really challenging because you're working all of those little stabilizer muscles that you never work. And so it's, it takes a lot to balance and at the same time, concentrate and focus on your breath. And I didn't notice this until I'd been doing it for a few weeks. I, I start to almost kind of go into like a trance and I get out of my head. It, it It's weird how it started to help me come into the present moment. Right. But in a way that I hadn't experienced before, because it's a very physical thing. Like normally the physical things, when I have to pay attention to my body, it takes me out of the moment and well, it annoys me. And so then I get annoyed and that's what takes me out of the moment. Yeah, right? That's okay. probably what it is. Yeah. But there's something about the yoga that I enjoyed enough to where I didn't get annoyed and I was able to really get into it. And it, yeah, I would recommend trying it if you haven't already. I really like it. One time about 12 years ago. I was tricked into going to a yoga Lottie class. <laughs> I don't think that's the same thing. <laughs> Have you ever been? Do you know what Pilates are? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's that was the last time I went to yoga. <laughs> yoga Pilates. So I was like, oh, yoga Pilates, that sounds cute. It's it's uh, intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's super intense. Yeah, you're doing things with weights. It's like kickboxing. I don't know. It was a lot of things. That if I really consider it, the things that I do when I'm burnt out or just too much is coming at me and I get way into my seven where I start becoming hyperactive and scattered and my thoughts are like radio static. I retreat for sure. Cannot stand for anyone to touch me. And I have two young children. So my husband's really good at identifying like, oh, there she goes. And he'll keep them away from me for a little bit and I'll just be still. And usually we'll read a book or dive into like just listening to a podcast. Hot, hot, hot showers that I stay in for a long time and think my thoughts or listen to podcasts. I find to be pretty therapeutic and I feel probably the most centered and the most peaceful when I'm by myself out in nature. When I'm with other people out in nature, I feel like crowded and just want to be by myself or out at night on my deck looking at the stars. So solitude in nature. All right. So we talked about the physical side of things. How about on some of the mental, emotional, relational, I feel like I kind of, yeah, I mean, I feel like I kind of touched on the, the emotional or the spiritual emotional part as well. Cause that's kind of what I feel like I'm experiencing right now is just a complete and utter emptiness of emotion mm. and mental energy. Cause yeah. I, it's just, there's been times where I go to sit down in my office and do editing for this podcast. And I, I one time I actually fell asleep at my desk. Like that never <laughs> yeah. happened. I've never done that before. I've never fallen asleep at a task. So yeah, I like fall asleep sitting up with my hand in my head or my head in my hand just fell asleep. So yeah, mentally I have spent all there is to spend in the last couple of days, a couple of weeks. And so it's all catching up with me now, but what do you like to do mentally that helps you recharge though? 
I think doing things that engage or stimulate my mind without having to interact with other people. So, I mean, reading definitely does that for me or listening to things, listening to people talk podcasts or audiobooks. Maybe I haven't really gotten into the audiobook game, but I definitely need to since I drive like 12 hours a day. I think that doing those kinds of things definitely helps me a lot and keeps me more energized where I'm taking in information effortlessly mm. in a weird way. Yeah. Like almost through osmosis. Yeah. I would like to say some people give me energy. Some people don't. So I don't really want to say that it's hanging out with people helps because mm. it really doesn't for the most part, but yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is actually in the right setting that's something that is really energizing for me. If I have like my inner circle and we're hanging out by a campfire and drinking and having a yeah. really good conversation, I am wired that yep. night. I absolutely love that sort of thing. Doing this, sitting down and having conversations here, I absolutely love it. And, and as you know, we're both wired. It's this weird mix of wired and tired by the end because we're always up late. But at the same time, we're just like super stimulated in our minds. <laughs> yeah, no, this time I definitely was kind of not looking forward to it just because I'm so tired. And I was like, I could really go to sleep right now. I could just go mm -hmm. to bed. And that's really what I want to do. But I gathered everything and came over here anyway. And here it is midnight. But, you know, and by the end of it, I'll be glad that I did it and it'll be good. And I'll be probably wired and not be able to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, it's a weird mixture of it definitely depends on the context and the people. I think that you and I could definitely always talk and not feel exhausted even when we're tired and we don't really want to talk, it's like usually if it ha ends up happening, then I feel more energized afterwards. And there's not a lot of people that I feel that way with generally. I was working on the episode that comes out tomorrow, even though we're way ahead right now. And I was working on some final things on it. I ended up getting distracted and working on a different song that I decided would be on a later episode. But I started it because I was just sitting there and was playing keys on the piano and came across these few notes and I just really liked them. And so I just started building on that. And before I knew it, an hour and a half had passed and I was wide awake and was super wired. So I think the activities that sometimes I'm just surprised by the moments that actually energize me. And that maybe that's why it's so hard to make it a discipline. And it's also hard mm -hmm. for me too, because right now I have a job that's so intensely requires me to be disciplined. And I kind of jumped into this with a, a pretty good amount of, I wouldn't say it was discipline as much as it was just rhythm that I had from my last job. I had a good rhythm going on. I knew exactly what needed to happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday because it was always the same every week. Yeah, you could kind of go on autopilot. Yeah, and I tricked myself into thinking I was disciplined. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I totally got this. And so I had to jump in this new into this whole new rhythm and realize that's not the rhythm that I had been playing for a year, <laughs> you know? And so it, I, it was a really, it was a strange thing for me and was incredibly mentally exhausting for me for the first few months. And I'm only just now feeling like I have the job down enough to where I'm not just constantly screwing up or feeling like I'm going to get fired tomorrow. And with the podcast, we're finally getting caught up and everything's starting to level out. I don't have any weddings for a few months. Everything's just now getting to a place where I'm like, okay, I need to reevaluate while I have the time mm. and get into a healthier place before the fall hits and everything goes crazy again. Maybe I can handle it better that time around. And I feel like that's literally just the rhythm. The It's the, the cyclical adulting life right there. It's mm. like you think you're going to do something really great and you're like, I got this big plan and then it all goes to shit. And then you're like, all right. <laughs> And you just like basically press on all the way through the mess. And as soon as the mess comes in, you're like, all right, regroup, got a new plan. Next time this happens, <laughs> and then it all goes to shit again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's kind of my life. Yeah. And then and then you just, with parenting, you do the same thing, except the, uh, the cycle is much shorter. <laughs> <laughs> every 24 hours. <laughs> well, it's like every few weeks, the game changes completely. Because they change. Yeah. 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 And then when you add multiple on top of that, it just gets way more complex. Yeah. You did that to yourself. I know. <laughs> so I want to talk about some habits that I have been able to develop in the past at different various times <laughs> to various degrees yeah. that have really helped me. I know we've talked about this a lot before, but doing mindfulness meditation and hypnosis has probably had the biggest impact on me of any of the stuff that I've done. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of hard to quantify it because it's weird. I think I've mentioned that I've done hundreds of hours of what I'll generally call subconscious re reprogramming. Uh-huh. And, and it has a lot to do with like 
biofeedback and hypnosis and specific kind of protocols to rewire stuff in my brain. And like, those are big words. You want to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we want to go down that rabbit trail right now? I mean, we're talking about mental health things. So yeah, I mean, I, it can get really in the weeds yeah, and, we, and have, we don't have to go too far in the weeds, but yeah, just okay. kind of an over, just give us broad strokes. So I'll try. Okay. You know how we fives are great at broad strokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it started a few years ago. I joined this program for essentially subconscious re reprogramming is kind of what it's called. And it's this protocol of different hypnosis sessions. Uh -huh. And so like the first 10 days, it's three times a day. I would listen to this specific audio that taught me hypnosis. It's this process where basically I'm just building the habit, like building the neural pathways in my brain and then connecting it to a physical trigger, which for me is touching my left index finger to my thumb. Mm. And so I would go through this protocol, taking these deep breaths, doing that. And, and I was surprised how quickly I was able to actually make it work where I can pretty quickly slip into sort of a, a hypnotic state. And for those of you who haven't looked into hypnosis, it's nothing at all like what you see in TV and movies and all that stuff. That's a bunch of nonsense. Most of the time when we're awake, we're in the alpha beta brainwave states, high focus to relax focus. And then once you go down out of alpha, you go into theta, which is this daydreamy sort of place. If you're watching a movie and you get really wrapped up in the movie, you're usually in a theta brainwave state. So you're in a form of hypnosis when you're in that state. And then you go into delta and that's basically when you're asleep. So it's like the stage that you go into before you go into sleep. Okay. And so you're training yourself to sit in that stage yeah. as much as possible. And the idea behind it is that when you're in that state, you're directly interfacing with your subconscious mind. Right. The way that we often approach habits and change and stuff is we try to approach it from an analytical perspective. If you've heard of the rider and the elephant, we're the rider and our subconscious mind is the elephant. And we can try to direct the elephant wherever we, you know, we want it to go, but we're going wherever the elephant wants to go, right? It's this large mass that has all this momentum and we don't have the, the strength to change its direction if it wants to go in a certain way. And so essentially what this is doing is rather than trying to get the rider to direct the elephant, you're training the elephant directly to go in different directions. So what it looked like for me was it was three times a day for the first 10 days of doing this protocol. And then I did another 90 days of three times a day of this other protocol that's called workshop of the mind. Yeah. This is really hard to explain in words because it's a very visual sort of ethereal process. I don't know how else to explain it, but you essentially go into this place inside of your mind and you're watching a movie screen and the first third lights up and it's you as your current self and you have a specific kind of conversation interaction. And then the last third of it on the right lights up and it's your um, future self, your ideal self of where you're wanting to go. And before you go into the hypnosis session, you set your intention of you want to focus on one specific thing. So say I want to be more self-disciplined. I would go in with that intention and then I would have a conversation with myself as I currently am. And then I have a conversation with my future self, my idealized self, how I want to look self-disciplined. I say conversation, but you're doing it in a way where you're intentionally also generating emotions around it because that's how you uh, motivate the elephant. Right? Mm. It's, it's emotionally, which is an interesting thing to do as a five. I actually learned how to direct myself to feel specific emotions genuinely and then amplify them by orders of magnitude through this process is one of the things that I learned how to do, which is mm. another reason why a lot of times people say that I'm not a five because I can do that sort of thing, but it's sure. taken me hundreds of hours of crazy training to do that. So then this, the middle third of the screen lights up and you're having a conversation with your transitional self and you're seeing the things that you're doing and the person that you're being that's leading you towards that idealized thing. And what that's doing through the repetition and doing it in the hypnotic state, which amplifies that, that process, you're changing the, the underlying programming, the code of your subconscious mind, because 90 to 95% of the decisions that we make and the actions that we take actually come from our subconscious mind, not from our conscious mind. We make decisions subconsciously first, and then we try to justify and rationalize those decisions analytically in our conscious mind afterwards. And so if you can change the way that the subconscious mind views things, all of the, the outward stuff seems to happen effortlessly. And so I'll give an example of, I haven't shared this story very much. It's 
pretty personal, but I went into all of this with a healthy degree of skepticism. Yep. I'm like, this sounds a bit kooky to me, but I'll stay open and try it. Right. Because I, I started doing this like right after I left my job and I was starting my own business and I'm like, I need to do stuff I've never done before. Right. And try to jumpstart a new chapter kind of thing. Absolutely. And so I'm like, well, whatever it is, I'll try it. Yeah. I drastically underestimated the amount of real change I experienced in such a short period of time. I'll give you an example. So one of the sessions kind of early on, actually, I was doing a more freeform session where I was letting my subconscious sort of guide me to where I needed to focus on. And so it's almost like watching a movie that you're experiencing. It's like you're in the movie, but you're watching a movie. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but you're an, you're an observer of this happening, but also kind of a participant. <laughs> it's so weird. And so I wasn't thinking about anything. Like I didn't have any intention going into this thing, but all of a sudden I was taken back to this time in my childhood that I'd all but forgotten. It was almost kind of like a repressed memory. If I, if someone had mentioned it, then I would remember it, but it was something like, not something that I consciously thought about really ever. Right. And it was this, I think I was like seven or eight years old. And I was at that age where I was just barely big enough to push a lawnmower and actually cut grass. And so I, that summer I'd started cutting the grass at my parents' house. And then I went to West Virginia to visit family and I stayed there for like a month or two. And I was, I was at my, my grandparents' house, my dad's side, and I was really excited to show my grandpa how I could cut the grass. And he had cut the grass kind of recently. So there wasn't really super long. So it was kind of hard to see what I cut and what I hadn't cut. And I remember I was, I was trying with all my might to push this mower up this huge hill and I was just struggling. And, but I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm cutting this grass and I'm doing an awesome job. And I could see him watching me from the window and he came out and essentially kind of yelled at me and pointed out all the places where I missed the grass and basically took the lawnmower and said, I'll do it. And like, I, I remember going inside and crying and so I'm watching all of this play out during this session. And, and the other thing that's kind of hard to explain in this is it's almost like your subconscious mind works a hundred times faster than your conscious mind because stuff happens before I can think about them happening and giving the direction with my conscious mind. And so I just instinctively walked up when this happened and hugged myself as a kid. I was like, you're fine. You're enough. You're good. Mm-hmm. I don't actually don't even really remember exactly what I said in this session. Yeah. But it was this really intense emotional experience. Mm. And I came up out of that. And up until that point in my life, I had always had this underlying knowledge that I'm not good enough. Mm. I'm not competent enough. No matter what I do, I'm not good enough. Right. It's never going to be good enough, which leads to a lot of other things. Like why even bother if it's not going to be good enough or I'm not good enough. Right. Right. And, and it's, what is an unconscious thing, right? It's not like I was always telling myself that I was actually telling myself the opposite of that all the time. I'm like trying to give myself a pep talk. But up until that point, I always had this story, this belief, this unconscious belief that I'm not good enough. I came out of that session and it was 100% gone and it has not come back since. Wow. And I have multiple things like that happened through this process of me doing this work yeah. where I'm literally changing my subconscious beliefs, which affects all of these different areas of my life. And so that was this broad strokes as I could get, <laughs> I could get with that. Well, I mean, in, in- we all do that, right? I mean, everybody talks about how there's always these stories that we're telling ourselves on repeat that mm-hmm. indirectly affect the way that we handle situations. So, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. That would work. I mean, I've heard of different therapy sessions where people do that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's not that far-fetched to me to be able to do that. It's hard for me to imagine having a direct conversation with my subconscious in that way, which is interesting. Yeah, it's like I said, it's really hard to explain. But one of the things that that I got from this is like that's a tool now that I can use. And one of the reasons why 2020 was so hard on me was that I knew I had that tool and I was not letting myself use it for whatever reason. Yeah. And because when I can be completely drained and I can go into a hypnosis session and come out just like completely revived. And I don't know what it is about you know, I think actually part of it now that I'm kind of thinking about this out loud is it's almost like my rational mind fears the loss of control. Mm. In that. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. 
I think that's definitely why uh, I've, I mean, that's definitely why I would be apprehensive to try hypnosis or try, especially the version of hypnosis that we see in movies and TV well, shows, yeah, right? That, Where somebody else takes control right, you, of your yeah, subconscious. Yeah, and you can't actually do that. Like, you can't do anything you don't want. Like, no one can make you do anything that you don't want to do inside of a hypnosis session, right? Right. I think what I mean by loss of control is more like the loss of illusion of control because when I'm not using that tool, my rational mind has this illusion that it's in control. Right. And yeah. when I am making these significant changes on the subconscious level, it's very apparent how little control my rational mind actually has over my actions and my thoughts and my beliefs and all of that stuff. And, and so I'll go through these phases where I'm like, I'll go through this hyper growth mode. And then it's almost like, I have to take a break to let my rational mind kind of almost catch up because it just is constantly trying to pull me back. It's right. weird. Yeah, that makes sense. As an Enneagram 5, the first thing I need to do for self-care is get alone in complete silence to compose my thoughts or write them down. It also is important to me to get out of my head and into my body, something like hiking, yoga, or cycling. Any exercise I can do alone so I can process the emotions that have been building up over the week that I wasn't able to process in the moment. I often do not know how to process my emotion or identify when it's happening, but I always know that in those cases, I have to eventually go take alone time to think about the emotion and then release it through physical activity. Because if I don't do that, the emotion stays trapped in my body and manifests itself in sickness or pain, and subsequently, I cannot think clearly. I tend to overthink in a way that leads to fear and anxiety, but what helps me think constructively is, after I've checked in with my emotions, my body is okay, is to listen to an educational podcast or audiobook. to trying it now than I ever have been in the sense that I feel very much not in control of the decisions that I make based on my subconscious and either the stories that I'm telling or the habits that I've built that I'm try constantly trying to break. And I find that I end up using other unhealthy tools that I already have. I constantly use those tools like anxiety, for example, which sometimes manifests in some, I would say, mild high functioning OCD tendencies. <laughs> For instance, a long time ago, I was with somebody who wanted me to close the shower curtain when I got out of the shower and I could not remember how to do it until I can remember how to close the shower. No, sorry. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I couldn't remember to close it when I got out of the shower and close the, sh the shower curtain back until I started thinking in depth about how keeping it open was causing black mold to, to form in the creases of the shower curtain, which would cause us to have to buy a new one. And it was always this whole thing. And then I thought about how much I absolutely hate having to change a shower curtain because all those little rings and stuff. <laughs> and so I started thinking less about that I should close the shower curtain and why I, instead of why I should close it and then getting really obsessively compulsive about the disgustingness that's happening when I leave it closed open. And so then when I got out, eventually it got to the point where I couldn't help but close the shower curtain because I couldn't stand the thought of what it was doing if I didn't close the shower curtain. Same with my brushing my teeth. I can't stand the thought of the feeling of my teeth. And I obsess over the, like you said, the fuzzy thing, the fuzzy feeling. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, teeth sweaters? Tooth sweaters? You heard of that? Uh, no, I've not heard that. That might just be a Madison thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So I let myself be consumed by the negative thought of whatever the thing is that's, that I'm causing by not doing the thing. And then I can break my bad habits that way of trying to do the bad thing or the yeah. thing that I want to change. But when it comes to trying to change things for good in my life, especially ideals, that tool doesn't work. Right. And it's way harder for me to get to a place where I'm like, oh, I need to do these things because it's good for me. Okay, well... How am I supposed to be anxious about that? I guess I, you could say for the physicality of it, I'm pretty anxious about the idea of death. So I don't want to die <laughs> at an early age and have a heart attack. So maybe I should stop eating hamburgers for lunch. Um, but there's so many things that it's so hard for me to break from the, the rhythm of that or the habit. So it's definitely something that at this point in my life, I'd be fairly interested in just because 
I've, I've tried a lot of other things. They haven't worked. I've known you for, we've been talking about this for a long time. We keep saying 12 years. I was thinking about it. It's way longer than that. So it was 2008 is when we met, I think. Yeah, because I moved down here in fall of 2007. We met in spring of 2008. Okay. So that's 13 years. I was talking to somebody last night who I realized I've known them for 10 years. And I was like, well, I've known Josiah way longer than I've known him. Apparently not. <laughs> three years longer than you. Only know. three years. <laughs> so I'm interested in all of the all of the new age things at this point. I also don't have the framework of a specific religion to limit me from thinking about certain ideas or concepts. Right. So that also helps for as a lot of my life was spent in a box. Yep. Agreed. So. There are a couple more things I wanted to touch on. And one of them is if you look at the levels of health of a five, when we start getting down towards the, the bottom three, we really go into cynicism and nihilism. Yeah. And one of the ways that I have found is effective for me to keep myself out of that state as much as possible is writing down gratitude lists. I know that can sound kind of hokey, but it, there's something um, really simple and effective about just writing something down that you're grateful for and spending like 15 seconds just thinking about it and being appreciative of it. Yeah. And what that does is it, it's almost like it breaks that cynicism cycle because it's really hard to say that stuff is meaningless and that stuff doesn't matter when you're grateful for something and you can... I, I disagree. Actually, yeah, you're right. I disagree with that too. <laughs> Never mind. I think... Because you know, in some ways, my admission that thing, everything might be meaningless actually made me appreciate life a lot more. Yeah, totally. Same here. And so... <laughs> That's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Uh, and we will have it in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm not sure what it is about the gratitude piece that it, maybe it's the pessimism versus optimism thing. I think it's also just taking the attention off of yourself. Mm, I think, because yeah. I mean, I've, I also have experienced this because I use a certain type of planner where it asks you all yeah. the time, who, who's the three people you're most thankful for this week or this month or whatever. And I've, I've always participated in it because it ends up being kind of a journal, right? I could go back and I've been using yeah. the same journal or the same planner now for four years. And so I can go back to every month all the way back and see what it was I was thinking about then and all these bullet points essentially, because it's not a lot of writing, which is my perfect kind of planner because I don't want to spend a mm -hmm. lot of time doing it, but I want to just enough to like mile markers. And I remember very specific times where I did not feel like doing it and I was in a bad place and just writing the names of three people that I was thankful for that week completely would change. It would like, not completely, but it would switch my mood. It would like, there would be some kind of like switch that was flipped by mm. doing that activity just by thinking about the people in my life that I'm thankful for whatever reason, or like, and sometimes I would elaborate and, and, and say why I'm thankful for these people in my life this week. And it definitely has an impact. It, it does. I don't know how it does, but it absolutely does. So there's one thing that I think is a really obvious self-care item for, for fives, but I wanted to mention it because there's the, we need the, the alone time and space and stuff to, we've talked a lot about that to recharge. Right. But in that, I've found that it's even more effective if I can also use that time a lot of times to learn something new. Yeah. If I can take in new information about something, especially if it's, it's about a, a topic or an idea that is sort of outside the norm and uh, a little bit out there and yep. or it's, you know, it, it's pushing the envelope, like that kind of stuff just lights me up. And, and that's yeah. why I got so, I think it's one of the main reasons why I got so into the UFO stuff for a while was just like the implications of what that could mean if, if this sort of thing were real. I, I love playing out those thought scenarios and hypothesizing about how that might look and looking for evidence of those things and kind of building this theory, right? For sure. I love that. Well, I think, I mean, just learning new skills, learning mm -hmm. new things. I Sometimes when I know for a fact, okay, I'm setting this time aside to look at this new thing that I want to learn, the skill or whatever, something that directly is applicable to something that I'm doing right then, some new thing that I'm going to learn. I look forward to that time where I'm going yeah. to be able to do it. And I, I, once I'm there, it's like, it's a sanctuary. It's a space where I'm now doing something that's just for me and I'm absorbing information. It doesn't, the rest of the world doesn't matter. Mm. And yeah, it's definitely, that's something that I definitely could have pointed out earlier on as something that energizes me because it, absolutely does when it's something i really want to learn about it's not something that's draining or exhausting at all and it's in some ways right. time goes away and i forget to do anything else because i'm learning yeah. about that thing 
Yeah. When I, when, if I go too long where I'm not learning, I feel like I'm suffocating. Yeah. And on the flip side, what you just said, but it has to be something I'm interested in because I feel, if I feel like I have to learn something I'm not interested in, then I get, might as well be tortured. I I get angry and like I, I get destructive and I, I don't want anyone else to have any kind of say or control over what it is that I'm spending my time learning. I really don't like being told what to do. (laughs) It's really what it comes down to. And especially when somebody tells me that I have to learn something or, or I have to do something a certain way. I mean, we've touched on this in the careers episode. Like I just, you want to talk about something that's really draining, not just draining, but like makes me wish bad things on a person is when they, <laughs> they cross that line of like, of just telling me how I should be doing things or living my life or whatever the thing is. I'm just like, no, um, good day, sir. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, it's, it doesn't work out well for people who interject their opinions when not asked. So the last thing I wanted to, to talk about is something that comes up a lot in the general self-care conversation that I really don't think applies to fives. And actually, I think the almost like the opposite applies. <laughs> so one of the things that you'll hear a lot in conversations about self-care is the idea of setting firm and healthy boundaries. I don't think we really have a problem with that in general, setting external boundaries. We set those automatically and they're pretty high and pretty strong and we have a, a good sense of who we are and and yeah. we don't, we actually have to do a lot more work to open up those boundaries than we do setting the boundaries. So I don't think that's an issue for fives. Pretty pretty secure borders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. One thing I was, as I was thinking through this, one thing I think might be overlooked in that conversation is that while we're generally good at setting external boundaries, we're generally pretty terrible at setting internal boundaries. And what I mean by that is... Everything I've said in this episode. Yeah, like what we've talked about, <laughs> the idea that we can go a whole day without eating food because we're preoccupied with something or that we, you know, we've, what we talked about in a previous conversation where there's this line and we know what we've crossed it when we go from solitude to isolation where we've started to cut everyone off and cross that boundary into a place that's much more unhealthy for us. And I think that it would serve us well to start to identify where we might need to set some boundaries for ourselves internally, where we're not, we're not going too far in any one direction that would harm ourselves or others so that we can have some healthy constraints that will really help us focus our efforts better and not just sort of spin out of control into nihilism and cynicism and self-destruction. Yeah. And I wish that I could elaborate more on this, but I know that in in some small way, I've definitely gotten a lot better at that because I'm not as self-destructive or destructive towards my life and the people in it as much as I used to be. And so there's definitely been much more balancing in my life in the last few years, I guess, probably in the last three or four years where I don't feel as much emotional highs and lows or as much extremes. I mean, they're still there, but they're more manageable. And I, part of that might just be the fact that I'm on anxiety meds, but it is, there's often times that I feel like there should be a little bit more in that department, maybe in a different direction, some other type of medication, but I've managed this long without it. And, and in fact, I've gotten a lot better at not just imploding my life all the time. And when I was younger, it was really bad. And I would get to this place where if nothing mattered and it was fully nihilistic, then why not just break up with this person? Tell this person that I've been friends with forever that I hate them, like just to see what would happen or quit this <laughs> job and just see how my life would look like without that job in it. All these things that I used to do that were completely irrational and was 100% subconscious. It was never a conscious decision, but I would do them all at once <laughs> within the span of like two days. And of course, we've mentioned a little bit here and there about whether or not I might be bipolar and that's that might play into it a little bit but either way I mean I still feel those feelings I still have those not necessarily destructive thoughts but thoughts of getting fed up with things or not liking the way things are or whatever or just getting bored and I don't go down the path of destruction as nearly as much or as often as I used to. And I would love to say, here's the three ways that I did that. And here's my five step plan, but I don't really have one. I don't know what I did except for that. I'm more grateful for my life and the people in it. I make a conscious decision pretty much every day to acknowledge that gratefulness of the people in my life when I see them and when I think about them. And I 
just kind of appreciate my life and the things that I have in my life and know that it could be much worse. I've had it much worse and other people have it way worse than I do. And I've worked really hard to have a life that I actually like. So I don't want to ruin it all the time. <laughs> and so I guess that's kind of, it's just the con, maybe that's the secret is the, the conscious decision on a daily basis to appreciate life has made me not be as destructive even when I feel like being destructive. Love it. <laughs> That's a wrap. All right, cool. On to the next one. Hey, it's Josiah, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you're the type of person who likes helping others, would you do us a favor and share it with other people like you? If you found value in this conversation, they will too. I also want to give a special thanks to our community members who shared their voice with us in this episode. If anything in this conversation has resonated with you, or if you have any further thoughts or questions, I want to invite you to join our community of other people like you and continue the conversation at Enneagram5.com. 